How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Ah, yes. Welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. I am your host, Dr. Rob, and as always, I am filled with enthusiasm, brimming over with joy. I'm just feeling real good today, and I hope the same for you. And so, yes, indeed, thank you once again, my friend, for tuning in to Station B.O.B. It's always a pleasure, and um, I'm excited to have some good news, where this is my 47th podcast. That's right, 47, 47th podcast. When I first got in, you know, to this podcasting game, I had 10 ideas in mind. And since then, um, my show has really blossomed thanks to your support and downloads and listening to Station B.O.B. and the content and messages that we like to prepare and provide and enlighten and so on and so forth. So I just want to say thank you so much for uh, your support. And as I continue to bring you what I believe is Excellent content, and hopefully you feel the same way, too. So let's give it up for Station B.O.B. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So today we're going to talk about a health concern or a health issue, I should say. And that health issue is diabetes and you. And I'm I'm looking at making this a two-part podcast where I'm going to talk about diabetes and then I'm going to, to share my story with you about my journey with my type 2 diabetes. And then that, that would be for part one. And then my hope is to bring my aunt and uncle in who, you know, helped to raise me. And they were the ones who took me to the hospital on the day that I was diagnosed with diabetes because that's another story in and of itself that I'm sure you would love to hear. So before we get to part two of this podcast, we first have to complete part one. And so let's get this party started. So diabetes and you, just for the record, there are two types of diabetes, type 1 and type 2. 
you you can catch type one in your teens as I did, and I'll talk to you more about that when I get to that part of the story. And then type two diabetes, normally people who are diagnosed with type two diabetes, that comes later on in life, say after our forties. And, um, but as a type one diabetic, as I am, that means that I am insulin dependent. I take injections, Daily, before every meal, I have to test my blood sugar before every meal, before I drive, and before I do anything that could contribute to a low blood sugar, I need to check my blood sugar level. Just for the record, a good level is between 80 and 120. And so I don't mean to get technical on you, but I just want to, you know, explain what I mean when I say check my blood sugar levels. So at any rate, as I was saying, type 1, they call that early onset diabetes, and that usually happens when, you know, in our teen years. And then there's type 2, which is non-insulin dependent, and that usually happens, you know, on or after the age of 40. As we get older and we slow down, become less active, and we're still eating the way we were eating when we were 20, now we're still eating like that when we're 40, 45, you know, two pork chops, a large baked potato, some yams, rice and gravy, and some Italian bread, or biscuits, or some cornbread, you know. When we get into our 40s, we, we should not eat like that anymore, you know, for, for many reasons, especially as it re- relates to increasing your chances to uh, be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. So anyway, for the record, there are 37.3 million Americans or 1 in 10 people have diabetes. And then there's about one in five who have diabetes and don't know they have it. Picture that. Now, I was one of those people. I had diabetes, but I did not know I had it. But I had enough symptoms that sped up the process that led me to the hospital to find out that I had diabetes, whereas what I'm talking about, there are, what did I say? One in five people are walking around with diabetes and don't know it. Okay? And so, in terms of the cause of diabetes, up to this day, doctors, medical professionals, they still don't have a defined explanation as to what causes type 1 diabetes. However, what um, what my research shows is that usually a person's body, you know, your own immune system, which normally fights harmful bacteria and other viruses, somehow mistakenly destroys the insulin-produced and your own body cells, the, this this 
this harmful bacteria or virus somehow finds a way to destroy the the insulin producing cells that are located in our pancreas and so or it may be caused by genetics and some of the symptoms of type 1 as i recall i must have experienced them all is severe thirst i'm talking about like sidewalk dry thirst your mouth is so dry you don't you can't even feel your tongue that that that's a sign of severe thirst another sign is unlimited urination because what happens is you find you will find yourself drinking all and any and all fluids within your reach and because you're so thirsty and as you drink these fluids then shortly thereafter you urinate them out and eventually like what happened to me in my case this went on for at least three weeks where I experienced severe thirst. And then I was drinking everything and anything in sight to quench my thirst. And so I'll tell you more about that as I share my story with you. But at any rate, those are just, um, you know, a couple of the symptoms. And then also your vision could become blurred also because your blood sugar is so high that it affects your ability to see clearly. And so in terms of the causes of type 2 diabetes, which is non-insulin dependent, and in that case you're just taking some kind of pill or pills on a daily basis. But that type 2 diabetes can be, either avoided, prevented by, you know, diet and exercise, eating healthy, vegetables, fruits, so on and so forth, losing weight, avoid being overweight or avoid becoming obese. And because as you get older, your body does not use your insulin as well as it did when you were in your 20s. When things were, you know, running like a smooth oiled Cadillac. And so once sometimes some of us, for some of us, once we get into our forties, our our, our our insulin doesn't produce from our pancreas very well or as well. And then it's hard to keep our blood sugars down. So to prevent type two diabetes, as I said earlier, you have to eat healthy fruits, vegetables, uh small portions, exercise, lose weight. And at the same time, the cause of type 2 diabetes is also unknown as well. And so, excuse me, I'm just, I've had a cold for, it seemed like two weeks already. Once my son gets sick and then he's coughing and hacking, then he gets well and up and running, and then I'm down for the count, coughing, hacking, and sniffling. And so bear with me as I try to uh, get through this podcast about diabetes and you. So with that said, I'd like to 
share my story with you about my journey with type 1 diabetes. I think you'll find it very interesting and hopefully inspirational. And I'll share that story with you on the other side of the break. Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services, the place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B. All right. Welcome back, and thank you so much. Please check my services out at my website, www.relationshipreadiness.org. Learn more about what Dr. Rob does, and I am sure that I have a solution for you, whether you need personal counseling, couples counseling, and or group counseling, or any type of, type of consultation regarding issues you may be experiencing at your place of work. And so now back to the topic, diabetes and you. And we're at the point in the podcast where I just wanted to share my story with type 1 diabetes because for for Dr. Rob, this was a life-changing experience. And as I said, my plan is to make this a two-part podcast where first I share, you know, the information about type 1 and type 2 diabetes, you know, some of the symptoms, the reasons why or the unknown reasons why, you know, people are diagnosed with diabetes. And so now I'm going to take you on my journey with diabetes. And then part two of this podcast would include my aunt and uncle who were my caregivers at the time that I was growing up at the age of 15 when I was diagnosed with diabetes because they have a, another account of this experience, which is when I arrived at the hospital in the emergency room at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. And so the story goes that on on April 6, 1973, I, you know, I had already been experiencing like like a, a few weeks of symptoms with the diabetes. I had, you know, as I said, I was very, I was severely thirsty. I was urinating all over the place. Then I found myself going into bodegas, uh, the school cafeteria, just stuffing, stuffing beverages under my, my shirts. You know, I was thirsty. I was so thirsty. I didn't have time to pay for anything, even if I would have had the money. I mean, that's how severe the thirst was. And I would drink all, all, any and all beverages that I came 
that I came across and then urinate them right out. I mean, like, you know, torrential urination. That's what I had going, torrential urination. And then I would be uh, thirsty again. So I wake up on the morning of April 6th after I had uh, threw up all over the house the night before. But that's another story. But So April 6th, I wake up, I go into my aunt and uncle's bedroom, and I say, hey, I'm sick. You know, and they know something is going on with me because they, you know, have been seeing all the unusual things that I've been doing in terms of drinking everything and, and frequent urination. So anyway, you know, my aunt is checking me for drugs because remember my sister overdosed on heroin. So now she's, you know, of the mind that, hey, is this drug use or is, is this cat really sick? So my uncle he says to her, no, come on, we got to get this boy to the hospital. I'm 15 years old at the time. So they, they rushed me to Mount Sinai Hospital. Next thing I know, I'm laid out on the gurney, and I hear the, the, the doctors in my family talking about, is diabetes in your family, so on and so forth. And I'm hearing, like, a lot of no's and no, you know, not on my side, but we need to talk to his father. You know, this is the doctors now. They need to talk to my father about you know, is there any history of diabetes on his side? Because my aunt and uncle, they were from my mother's side of the family. You know, my aunt is my mother's youngest sister, and this was her husband. So at any rate, you know, I'm going through all of the, you know, I'm not asking the questions, but I can hear this. But at the same time, I'm I'm like in a state where I'm coming, you know, in and out. And I and I was told after this that, you know, by my aunt that the doctors told her had they waited another 15 minutes to bring me to the hospital, they would have been picking out a coffin for me. So this was pretty serious business. I mean, that's just amazing that I was subject to that. I mean, 15 minutes to live and did not even know it. And had my uncle not said, Sally. Let's take this boy to the hospital. We got to get him to the hospital. Not that my aunt was being neglectful. It's just that she was, um, I just, you know, what you call troubleshooting the situation. Is it, you know, is this worthy of going to the hospital or is this guy using drugs? But at any rate, my uncle says, hey, we got to get this boy to the hospital. And so, you know, now I'm in it, going through all the processes, whatever they were doing, you know, taking blood, spinal taps, the, you know, the whole thing. And so now, you know, I, I I guess I pull it together. I'm, you know, aware, feeling good. But at the same time, I still don't know what's, you know, really going on. So one morning, a nurse walks into, you know, my my room while I'm in the bed. You know, I'm still hospitalized. And she threw an, a syringe and a vial of insulin, you know, on my bed, you know, and I was a little confused by that because I'm thinking the insulin and the syringe, I, I'm thinking it's his job, I mean, her job to give me the needle. You know, I'm in the hospital. These are the meds. So I said to her, I said, I said excuse me, isn't, isn't that your job to give me the medication? Especially by, you know, by syringe. She said, uh-uh, sugar. You have to learn how to, you know, uh, take this insulin before you leave the hospital 
so you can take care of yourself for the rest of your life. So I'm like, I'm really confused because I guess this was really the first day that I'm, you know, up and aware of what's going on. You know, because meanwhile, while I was in a more uh, sedative state, I'm, I'm sure they had been injecting me with insulin and so on and so forth. But now I'm, I'm more aware, more cognizant. So she throws the insulin, you know, onto the bed and in the syringe, and I'm saying, and I said to her, "Well, like, what are you doing? Isn't this your job?" And she says, "Uh-uh, sugar, you have to take care of this today, so that you have to learn how to take care of yourself when you leave the hospital." So I said, "Like, what are you talking about? Are you saying that I'm going to have to take needles for the rest of my life?" And she said, "Yep, that's what I'm saying." Well, I have to tell you, at that point, I was mortified. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried until I could not cry anymore. I mean, I was devastated. You know, think about that. My mother had died when I was nine. That was earth-shattering. Then my sister overdosed on heroin, and the, you know... The other half of the earth shattered. So now I'm diagnosed with with diabetes and and I'm being told that I have to take insulin injections every day for the rest of my life. Well, I'll be damned. You know, at that point, I was like I said, I was mortified and I cried and I cried and I cried until my tears dried. And then I thank God for a second chance at life, you know, because I started as much as, as bad as I thought it was to have to take insulin by injection. I started realizing that, you know, you're still alive and you're going to be all right. They said that you're going to be all right. So what about that? What about that? Robert Gardner, the doctor said, if you take care of this diabetes, you're going to be all right. So what happened next is the doctor gave me a book. I'll never forget this book. I think, it, you know, I said I'll never forget, and then I'm, like, trying to remember the title. But I believe the title of the book was Understanding Your Diabetes. It was a paperback book. And they said that I should read this book so that I can learn about my, you know, diabetes and how to take care of myself in order to live, you know, a full and healthy life now as a diabetic. So, I mean, I read that book from cover to cover. The preface, the author's name, the copyright, front to back, I read that book from cover to cover. And during my reading, I, I learned that if... If an individual does not take care of his or her diabetes, take care meaning if they don't manage their blood sugars, check their blood sugar levels, keep their blood sugars levels at good ranges like between 80 and 120, that eventually that could lead to blindness, kidney failure, which means kidney dialysis, or it could lead to neuropathy where... My, the bottom of my feet and my fingertips, but let's just focus on the bottom of my feet. They could become so numb that I could step on 
a nail or a broken piece of glass and not know it. And then because I was unaware of this nail, rusty nail or broken piece of glass stuck in my, in the bottom of of my, one of my feet that could lead to an infection, ultimately gangrene could set in and then boom, off comes the, the, the foot. Maybe the leg, depending depending on how soon they caught, you know, the infection. So we're looking at, you know, if I did not mismanage my diabetes, we're looking at blindness, kidney failure, kidney dialysis, neuropathy, stepping on something and not know it, which could lead to gangrene, going blind. And to me, I think going blind has always been like, you know, if there was an illness that I had to get, I, I would not want to go blind. I mean, I would not be a cool blind dude. I take my hat off to Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles. But Robert Gardner as a blind dude, I would lose my mind. God, God, why me, God? <laughs> That would be me every day. That would be me every day until until I got it together. I know I would rebound, but that would be me every day. And so at that point, I made a decision that I was going to take care of that diabetes, of my diabetes. And I'll talk to you more about that decision on the other side of the break. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you. And back to the show. Okay, welcome back. And so, as I was saying before I let the promo in, that after I stopped crying, I pray, I prayed and I thanked God for a second chance at life. And I vowed to live a good life. And And the reason why that is important, remember, when I was first brought to the hospital by my aunt and uncle, the doctor said that had you waited 15 more minutes, you would have been picking out a coffin for this young man. And so I vowed to live a good life. 
and I vowed to go to school and get my education. Back at, back in those days, dressing was very important. You know, I think I think my I was inspired to take care of my diabetes because I was in high school, and at that time I was learning that it was, you know, some people want to be popular, but see, I wanted to be cool, meaning I wanted to dress nice. Okay, and so in order to dress nice, you know, I had to get a job to to buy the nice clothes, to wear the nice things. I mean, all my Vows and commitments were all material um, in nature, but they were what I envisioned for myself. I vowed to to go to college and get out of my neighborhood. I loved growing up in Harlem, but I certainly did not want to die in Harlem. I have to tell you that, to be blunt, okay? So I wanted to find a better life for myself. So I vowed to go to college, get my college degree and maybe graduate school or law school I vowed that I would get a a nice apartment a new car and date the nicest finest young ladies and and do all the things that a young person should do that you know this this was just on my mind this was my inspiration this is the thing that motivated me and I vowed that I was going to take care of this diabetes so that I could fulfill all the the dreams and purposes that I had in store for my life at that time. And so remember, I told you that on April 6, 1973, that is the day that I was diagnosed with diabetes. And probably a week later from there, maybe around April the the 11th or the 12th, I, that's when I had this experience where I vowed to take care of my diabetes because in those days they used to keep you in the hospital beyond two or three days. I, I, I must have did about 10 days in the hospital recovering from this diabetes with the therapy and the social workers and learning how to, to administer the insulin and so on and so forth. And so my point here is that this past April 6, 2022, was 49 years ago. Or, right, 49 years that I have been living with this diabetes. And to this day, there I have no, I do not have neuropathy. I, can, I still have good vision. My kidneys are good. I have, I'm not on kidney dialysis. I don't have any of the adverse impacts that, you know, diabetes causes when a person does not manage their blood sugar levels. And so I, I, I am just overwhelmed with joy that I, that 49 years later, I realized the fruits of my labor, the fruits of the promise and the vow that I made to myself, that I made to God, that I would take care of this diabetes and I would not die from diabetes. And so today, 49 years later, I'm even stronger now than I was at the time of my diagnosis. And I just want to say, thank God Thank life, thank my 
parents, my family, my aunt Sally, my uncle Connie for participating in the journey that helped to save my life and getting me to the hospital. And so 49 years later, here I am presenting this podcast to you. And I just, you know, want to say in closing, with diabetes, if by chance you were diagnosed, hopefully not type 1, as we get older, we're more inclined to get type 2. I'm no doctor from a medical perspective, but they say, you know, exercise, losing weight, eating healthy, those are the ways that one can fend off and avoid being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And so on that note, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you again for riding with me, walking with me, listening to me, and most of all for downloading me so we could share this time together. Until we meet again, remember that love is an action, not a word, and it's not supposed to hurt. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.